Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we continue our look at Revelation for today, and we'll share some more gift ideas from our Resource Center. Our final conference of 2022 starts tomorrow at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas. Speakers include Billy Crone, Tom Hughes, Larry Stamm, Greg Patton, and Micah Van Hus. Join us at Sunrise Bible Church in Las Vegas this weekend. Space is still available. Visit swrc.com and click on Events. Or you can just call 1-800-652-1144 and let us know you're coming to the second annual Las Vegas Prophecy Conference this Saturday and Sunday. Yesterday, Dr. Kenneth Hill and Josh Davis began looking at the book of Revelation. Let's go inside the studio now and rejoin their conversation. We are continuing our discussion on the classic work by Dr. Hutchings' Revelation for today. We are going to pick back up in our discussion of this fantastic resource with some of the keys that Dr. Hutchings mentioned that are important to the interpretation and application of the book of Revelation. In his book, he has a sidebar that contains many of the keys to the book of Revelation, and he also includes important verses, including the text of the book of Revelation and other important facts and figures on these sidebars, along with the text and his commentary on those verses. I love the format and the layout of this helpful study because you don't have to have a Bible in one hand and this book in the other because he's literally got the scriptures right here for you and just glance side to side and see these things. It's laid out in a beautiful way. I, I love the way that that is formatted there. And we're going to continue looking at the beginning part of the book of Revelation as we're discussing some of these important keys. Dr. Hill, what stands out to you as we look at these keys that Dr. Hutchings offered for us? Well, the work that Noah did concerning the letters of the churches of West Asia, uh, the letter to the church at Ephesus is the one that, that becomes the key number five, he calls it, the love lost church. From the excavations of Ephesus, the city was a quite large city, we know. It was quite beautiful. Their population was about a quarter million, although in the Roman Empire it was granted a free status. So it was a different kind of city. The Temple of Diana was high on the hill and was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Paul visited the city there in about A.D. 55. There was at least one Christian congregation in the city, and so he created a controversy over the worship of idols. He later referred to being put into the arena with wild beasts from Arabia. He saw Peter and James, but nothing is said of John. John may have already gone to Asia. And so this church was one that had lost its first love. This is God saying in Revelation chapter 2. He says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent. 
and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And from Revelation chapter 2, what we see here is a church that was still going and still growing, but not where it was. It was taken out of its original place in regard to what they loved and what they loved to do and how they loved doing it. And then, of course, the other churches are, as well are mentioned here. And so this was where prior to the rapture of the church, here they are being described. We're being told that they have problems. It was interesting, as we look at it, to see that when he speaks, he speaks clearly mm-hmm. to the churches. Mm-hmm. God doesn't waste words. Yes. And I think that, at least in my viewpoint, I can see a lot of the American church, what's happening in American evangelicalism in this church at Ephesus, leaving our first love. Of course, many people refer to the church at Laodicea being riched and increased with goods and having need of nothing in reference to the status of the American church today. But I see a lot of Ephesus as well in that we have left our first love. Have we left off focusing on Jesus? Have we forgotten to focus on Jesus and become enamored by everything else and everyone else? And I believe that that really challenges us today to really look at our own hearts and see what is my focus? Where is my focus? Have I left my first love? They had many good things to say about them, but that became their downfall. Unfortunately, today, There is no church at Ephesus, as Dr. Hutchings points out. It's all the city is in ruins, and the group is not there. They did lose their lampstand. My prayer is that that does not happen to the American church, but we know that God's church continues on, and we are grateful to discuss this resource and continue to bring it to you. We're talking about the book Revelation for today. You can order your copy of this book by calling 1-800-652-652. 1144 or by visiting swrc.com. Dr. Hill, what are some of the other keys that are pointed out to you and that really stand out to you in Dr. Hutchings' writings? I think the question that he asks in key number 11 is one that we all must answer. Who knocks at my door? Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased it with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not 
that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Who is knocking at your door and will you open it? That's the question for us. The church of Laodicea has been lost, but the archaeologists are working to find it. The tallest buildings that stood in the city were crumpled into layers of concrete like a deck of cards, according to what Noah was writing that he had gone to see there. The history of Laodicea begins in about 350 B.C. By 270 B.C., the original name of the city was changed. After the breakup of the Grecian Empire and the death of Alexander, Syria was ruled by 13 kings with the title of Antiochus. And in 270 B.C., the second Antiochus changed the name to that of his first wife, Laodicea. Evidently, the rock formations in the area contained a chemical that helped cure both ear and eye infections, so tablets of stone or tablets that appeared to be stone were sold throughout the Roman Empire. And so it was a pharmaceutical capital, if you will, so that might go back to some of your original studies in college. But it was not not hanging with those who it had hung with before. Mm-hmm. It was refusing to stand for Christ. Yes. And we see so much of that going on in the religious world today because there is tremendous temptation to give in to this world system and to the things that we see happening in this world. And I think that's really where the church's challenge is. Which side are we going to stand on? Are we going to stand with God and with his truth? Are we going to give in to this world and the world's system? And I find that every time that someone in Scripture stood on God's side, they came out in the end on top. And you can see that from Genesis to Revelation and everywhere in between, that if you stand with God, stand on God's side, you will be on the right side. And I believe that's one of the themes of this book of Revelation is that Jesus is the conquering king and that he gets the victory over every enemy that comes up against him. And ultimately, in chapter 1, it talks about Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. When you get to the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus is saying the same thing. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the conquering king. Getting back to Dr. Hutchings' classic work here, I loved, for instance, on page 39, how he could see down the road his study in biblical prophecy had given him some great insight and foresight into what we're seeing happening in our world today. Page 39, he's speaking of the church at Sardis, and he says, like Christians at Sardis, Christians at Philadelphia suffered death rather than to deny Christ. As noted previously, millions of Christians in these last days have also died rather than to deny Christ. But today, church leadership representing a billion church members or more deny Jesus Christ who say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And he begins to speak of some specific ways 
that this was happening. But as I said, God gave him some great foresight and great insight because just earlier this year, I read a survey that said one-third of quote-unquote evangelical pastors say that being good enough is good enough to get you into heaven. They have turned away from John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no person cometh to the Father but by me. And we see that there really needs to be a revival in the American pulpits, not just in the pews, but it must begin in the pulpits when one-third of quote-unquote evangelical pastors say that being good enough is good enough to get into heaven. And how do you see this happening in our culture today? What temptations do you think would lead a pastor to proclaim this from their pulpit instead of preaching John fourteen six and thus saith the Lord? Well, it could be that they have come into a situation in their church where the people will not change. And so they join them rather than go against them. They'll still get paid until they're thrown out, whenever that is. That's one way of taking the business in your hands. The other way is to do what's right, and that's to tell the truth and to be honest with your truth and be the pastor that you're called to be because you're called to be a shepherd of the sheep and you're the one going ahead making sure that they're not to be harmed and it's very important for the shepherd to be looking forward as well as backward amen amen that's so very true getting on into dr hutchings book and again we encourage you to order your copy today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting our website at swrc.com Dr. Hutchings would argue that the rapture occurs here in the early part of the book of Revelation, and he outlines several reasons for that around page 46 of his book, including the fact that the church specifically is not mentioned. You know, we've been discussing these seven churches in the book of Revelation, and all the beginning part of this book is speaking about the church, the church, the church seven distinct churches as well, and then you don't see the church mentioned again until after the tribulation period and until after the Antichrist and false prophet are dealt with. Then the church comes back in. It speaks about the marriage supper of the Lamb and how that the bride is prepared for the Lord Jesus Christ, her groom, and we see the church come back in in the latter part, the closing chapters of the book of Revelation. Also on page 47 of this book, he outlines differences between the rapture and the literal return of Jesus to this earth. And I love this chart because it really helps us to understand there is a textual difference. Dr. Hutchings classically held to the premillennial pre-tribulation rapture of the church, but not because he began with that theology and then fitted into the Bible, but because that's what Scripture shows. And in this chart on page 47, he outlines some of the key differences between what the Bible says about the rapture 
and what the Bible says about the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. Dr. Hill, could you speak some to the rapture of the church and the differences in those things? Yes, I'll be happy to. One of the things is that Jesus meets the Christians in the air in the rapture. And in the glorious appearing, Jesus returns with the church and all his angels. And the church is not the angels of God. It's the church and all his angels. Christians are caught up in the rapture. There's no catching up of anybody in the glorious appearing. Jews are gathered out of the nations in the glorious appearing, but there's no mention of any race, creed, people in the rapture. The only Christians see Jesus in the rapture, but every eye will behold God sending his Son in the glorious appearing. There is no mention of Armageddon in the rapture. This is something that is the taking of the church, not the, the beating of the sinful. But there is a return of God at Armageddon, and that's in the glorious appearing when Christ comes, final coming. There's seven years of tribulation begins when we're called out, and 1,000 years of peace begins when the glorious appearing takes place. So it's a different timetable and different timing. Seven years of tribulation is beginning, as we said, but it comes to an end when this glorious appearing happens. And then the rapture is Christ coming to save the righteous to bring them out of what is going to be a bad time. And the glorious appearing, God comes to destroy the armies of the Antichrist. Yes. And so it's a different thing altogether. You know, when I was growing up, it was often that you heard Baptist preachers in particular preach about the general resurrection. And the general resurrection was one resurrection. That was when Christ came. That was when Armageddon took place, etc. It left out the resurrection of the saints as they went back to glory in this thing called the rapture. It left that out totally and made us all go to the great judgment of God, not the white throne judgment, but the judgment of the masses. And we had to go and then prove our credentials. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when we as Christians arrive, our name will be read and the deeds that we have done will be shown to us for ill or for good, but not for salvation or not. We are in the saved line as we go in. Yes. And salvation is ours. And we go in to be rewarded, not to be chastised. But if there's any reward, we will get it there. And as has been said by so many who love the Lord, they will then take off whatever crowns they've been given and give them to him. They'll lay them at his feet. Yes. I remember uh, reading about Queen Elizabeth II, and she was in Bible study with a number of the people from the, the palace, and they were servants there. And the fellow from the Anglican church who was teaching the word very specifically taught that we would bow and give our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And that's when 
she as queen could have really caused a stir, you know, by saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give it, give my crown to anybody. She didn't say that. You know what she said? Mm. She said, oh, that I could give him my crown today. Amen. <laughs> uh, think about that. I don't have a crown to give, but she did. She was willing to give that crown, and I have a feeling then that means that she is walking and talking with the Lord and his people, Yes, uh, even this day. But, you know, this is the thing that's important. What is our view of being called into the presence of God? My view is one of love and respect and honor and glory for him. It isn't anything for me, but it's for him. Yes. And he will make it the best we've ever seen just because he loves us. Amen. We don't have to worry about it. And that's the heart of the gospel message. It's not about what we have done for Jesus, but it's all about what Jesus has done for us. And we see the completion of the gospel story in the book of Revelation as we are glorified and with him forever and forever. And that's going to be an awesome day, an awesome experience to finally see the tempter put down and the one who has been the enemy of our souls, the enemy that we wrestle against, where we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we know that the devil is trying his best. In these days, I think he's ramping up his efforts because he knows his time is short and that Jesus is bringing these things to himself. And I'm so glad for that. We're visiting with Dr. Kenneth Hill as we discuss the wonderful resource Revelation for today, written by Dr. Noah Hutchings, a classic work and a production of Southwest Radio Church. And we invite you to order your copy by calling 1-800-652-1144 or by visiting swrc.com. Thank you, Dr. Hill, for joining us on these programs. And any closing thoughts about this resource? I would encourage everyone to study Revelation and to use this as their help book if they need one. And I would encourage them to continue to pray for this ministry and to give as God would have them to give to keep us going. It is indeed that I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to be on the program today with you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Dr. Hill. The privilege was truly mine to sit down and talk with you these past couple of days. As you and your family prepare for Thanksgiving and Christmas, remember to check out all of the Bible-based and Christ-centered gifts that are available on our website, swrc.com. With over 1,000 items, you can do your Christmas shopping and at the same time support Watchmen on the Wall. We have gifts from Jerusalem, Christmas-themed movies, and a huge selection of books and DVDs. SWRC.com. Shop for friends and family and support the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. SWRC.com. Yesterday, we highlighted items from the Holy Land. Some of those items included the olive wood cross. The beautiful crosses are made from olive wood directly from Bethlehem. We also talked about the ram's horn shofar authentically from Israel, and the widow's mite, an authentic coin from the time of Jesus. During the reign of Herod, they were the smallest denomination coin in Judea. 
We have the widow's mite available as a coin and set in a delicate sterling silver pendant necklace. Also from Israel, we have anointing oil, frankincense and myrrh. This anointing oil is made in the Holy Land by local perfumers using natural Jerusalem virgin olive oil and scented with flowers and herbal essences mentioned in the Bible. Other Christmas-related items for you and your family, A Classic Christmas, wonderful book by Dr. Kenneth Hill. A Classic Christmas is a wonderful collection of devotionals, stories, anecdotes, and recipes. Anyone who reads this book will find it a delightful change to most holiday-themed books. Another Christmas-themed book for you to think about is The Nativity, How the Story of Christmas Can Change Your Life. This book will help you take a fresh look at the Christmas story to help you see beyond the familiar and find the true spirit of Christmas. In The Nativity, author James Collins presents sort of a living nativity scene with biographical sketches about those who were in Bethlehem for the first advent. Remember, all of the items we're talking about will make excellent Christmas gifts and are available at our website, swrc.com, or you can order them by calling 1-800-652-1144. Some more suggestions for you to think about. We have this excellent holiday cookbook. It's called Christmas Delights, a faith-filled family favorite holiday cookbook. This festive new compilation of family favorite holiday recipes is full of fantastic flavors of the season that'll delight the young and the young at heart. It's illustrated in full color photographs, more than 250 recipes that will inspire families with delicacies perfect for every Christmas occasion. Up next, my personal favorite is our collection of Christmas movies. Your whole family will be blessed by these three outstanding Christmas DVDs. Up first, The Brothers Christmas. The Brothers Christmas is a faith-based film about reconciliation. In a community with split loyalties at the end of our nation's greatest trial, two brothers who fought for opposing sides must come together on the holiest of nights. And only through Christ can they find reconciliation. That's The Brothers Christmas. Up next, Born in a Stable. Born in a Stable is a collection of four unique presentations on Christmas for the family and the church family. And then finally, Goodwill to Men. Goodwill to Men tells the story of Kurt, a toy store Santa who witnesses the selfishness and depravity in the heart of man. As the evening progresses, Kurt begins to lose his hope in humanity. Finally, he asks God why he would send his son to save such people and receives an answer from a most unlikely character. Goodwill to Men is a story for the whole family that presents the reason for Christmas with a clear gospel message. These Christmas movies, The Brothers Christmas, Born in a Stable, and Goodwill to Men are all family-friendly and present the gospel clearly. Finally today, I want to mention our SWRC Christmas ornament. This ornament features our classic logo of the watchman on the wall blowing the shofar, our motto engraved across the top of the ornament, etched silver color. Every ornament is a true piece of heritage and craftsmanship, which I know you're going to enjoy this Christmas and for years to come. Order these items today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. That's swrc.com. 
Make sure you ask how to receive free shipping on your order. 1-800-652-1144. You can shop for friends and family and support the ministry of Watchmen on the Wall. SWRC.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Don't miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Download our SWRC mobile app or subscribe to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.